Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, for those who don't know this story, I'm going to start off by doing a little service journalism and tell you those are names. <laughs> and those are some stellar Old Testament names, right? They totally are. Okay. Absolutely. So who are they? Great question. They're stellar Hebrew scripture names. They come from three characters out of a story told in the book of Daniel. Daniel of the Lion's Den, Daniel? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can find it in Daniel chapter three, and it is the whole chapter. Oh, okay. Yep. Just that chapter is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. And this is coming up because last Friday, which is a little while from when this is getting published, but... Yep. We had our first confirmation retreat of this year, and we were teaching about the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scripture, and so we were going to work on telling each other stories from there. And the group I was with had one story that I still have to reread First and Second Samuel to find this character because I swear it exists. Okay. But I couldn't find it in the moment, and so we had to shift our story, and we shifted over to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because it's one of my favorite Oh, stories from the Old Testament. One of my, these stories of people and examples of how to live the faith. Okay. So we went to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the three of us read the story, uh, and then they figured out how they were going to retell it. Oh, so they got to retell it, like in modern words? They created a poster for it. Oh, okay. They were supposed to show it off, but we didn't have time. Oh, bummer. We were going to gather everyone at the house during the dinner and retell the stories, but it didn't happen. So we're going to give them time to polish it, and then we'll have another opportunity. Excellent. All right. So this begs the question what did they do? So in Daniel chapter three, what you hear is that there is a king. King Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, that's another really good name. Isn't it a great name? So King Nebuchadnezzar is the king over all the land, and he loves himself so much that he has a giant golden statue made of himself in his honor. That's no good. If I know anything about the Old Testament, golden statues are a little frowned upon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he has this big giant golden statue made of himself and he's really excited about it and he tells all the prefects and the governors and the mayors and the townspeople and the council people and he tells everybody whenever you hear the flute and the lyre and the harp and the drums and all of the musical ensemble play you have to kneel down and worship this golden statue of me that sounds crazy now are we talking like a Hail to the chief kind of thing? Or are we talking like the prayers five times a day for the Muslims? We just know that okay. all the prefects and counselors and mayors and presidents <laughs> know it. that I when the lyre the uh-huh. and the harp and the drum and all the musical ensemble play, that it is time to bow down and worship this golden statue of it King It is good to be king. It is. So in the country, there are three devout Hebrew men, Shadrach, oh. Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. And these three men refuse to bow down and worship this because they are Hebrew men who remember the story of the golden calf and know that they will worship nothing other than their God. And so they refuse to bow down whenever all the council people and the mayors and the governors and the everyone hear the lute and the lyre and the harp and the drums mm-hmm. and all the musical ensemble and bow down 
they refuse to. And they get told on. They get brought before the king. And the king says, all of the prefects and the counselors and the... (laughs) Yeah. Everybody knows that when they hear the lute and the harp and the drums and the entire musical ensemble that they are to bow down. So why aren't you bowing down? Because the penalty, and this has also been repeated through the story, the penalty if you don't bow down is that you'll be thrown into a fiery furnace. Yeah, that's no good. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say we will not bow down. We are people of faith, and our faith tells us that our trust is only in God and the God that we know and the God that we love, and we will not bow down to this golden image of you, King Nebuchadnezzar, even if it means that we will be tossed into the fiery furnace. Okay. And so the king, in a rage and a fit of anger, has them heat up the fiery furnace to seven times the normal heated amount. Sure. And then he has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in all of their clothing and all of their wordly, you know. Their highly flammable clothing. Their highly flammable clothing placed into the fiery furnace. And the furnace is glowing so hot that the guards who place them in the furnace also immediately perish. Oh, wow. And so they look into the fiery furnace and they're astonished. They say, wait, how many people did we throw in? Oh, well, three of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But there are four men in the furnace. And one of them is glowing like the look of a god. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, come out. And out walk. Opens the door. I'd be freaking out. (laughs) Right. Out walk Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in all of their clothing and everything untouched and unharmed. Nice. And I said, how is this even possible? And then King Nebuchadnezzar says, let it be known that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is amazing and has saved these men because of their faith. And so no one can speak ill of their faith or we will do terrible things to them because their faith is a faith with a protector God that kept them safe even from this fiery furnace. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got a promotion. Nice. So that's the story. Okay, so I'm going to start with what's up with the repetition. (laughs) Is that just a memorization tool for people having told the story orally for years? Or is there a purpose? Okay. I think it's a both and. I think that it definitely is part of that tool to help memorization and for oral storytelling. Sure. Folks out there who have studied any oral storytelling or children's book storytelling, that kind of a thing, repetition is something that is intentionally built in. So it's a preaching technique. I was going to say a homiletic technique, which means preaching. So a preaching technique is to have something that has repetition. So for example, over these last weeks of Creation Tide, the refrain of it was good has been the refrain that goes across all six weeks. Okay. So that now when I'm reading the story of creation, I just hold out my hand and the congregation goes, it is good, right? They know Mm -hmm. this is the repetition that's been created. Any time in storytelling where you can give the heartbeat of the story back to the listeners, it keeps them engaged. Okay. And so refrains, the intentional use of refrains in oral storytelling or in children's books, you'll see it a lot, is a way to keep the listener feeling like they matter if you get them to participate in the speaking of it. That makes perfect sense. And so this particular story has a ton of repetition. Mm -hmm. 
the list of the important people, the list of the instruments, the listing of the fiery furnace. Well, and the wonderful phrasing of just the three names themselves. Absolutely. It lends itself to public oral storytelling and engagement within the story. And it creates a lot of fun in it, too. So I think that's a lot of the purpose of it. Okay. It's a different kind of repetition than, like, when Shakespeare uses repetition. You know that it matters. It's a line that matters. Make haste, make haste, or out, out, damn spot. Mm -hmm. Right? For Shakespeare to choose to repeat a word, it's about emphasis. Okay. I think that in this, it's about corporate engagement, which means large group engagement in the story. So what is it about this particular story that you really like then? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that this is another story for me that reminds me that human governments come and go. (laughs) Sure. And make mistakes and get full of themselves. But that God's law is the law we are to follow. Okay. So, I mean, I think this goes all the way back to, like, appreciating and enjoying Greek plays. And, like, one of the first Greek plays that I really resonated with was one where she was making the choice to bury her brother because she held God's law above the law of the land. And she knew her brother should be buried. And so she broke the rules and she faces terrible punishment because she breaks human law Mm -hmm. but holds to God's law. That idea has always held attention in my head even long before I was ever baptized. So for me, this is another example of how these individuals chose in a time where there were real, real consequences. Oh, yeah. Death is a steep consequence. It's a very steep consequence. Death in a fiery furnace, pretty steep. But to still choose it, to still choose to hold on to the core and the center of faith, trusting or not trusting in... The ability to live beyond that moment, but just trusting that that was the right thing to do regardless. Sure. I think that that is courage to me. You know, I bet those men were terrified in that moment. Well, sure. Right? You would have to be. I mean, you're facing certain death. Right? And you watch the people who throw you in die. And and honestly, to just go through the motions and bow down and do whatever to save yourself from certain death is not hard. Right? Exactly. It's that question of where do you draw the line? And what can you live with? What do you live with? And then once you start that, how far does that take you from your center? Slippery slope. And so this story, I think for me, I really kind of hear this call to remember. Yeah, sometimes you break human law. Sometimes you don't do what you're being called to do by your leaders because their actions are against the word of God and what is right and good and just and true. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated that King Nebuchadnezzar learns, but only to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And that still the punishment is always going to be some sort of terrible corporal punishment. Yeah, totally. I think that's a piece that I struggle with when I read the scripture. I struggle with this inevitable violence that I hear in a lot of different places. Like even the story of Esther is so wonderful But at the end of the day, Esther has everybody against her slaughtered instead Mm -hmm. of it being her own people slaughtered, right? So there's this incredible amount of violence. One of the questions one of the kids asked during confirmation class was how many people die in the Bible? Oh, man. 
And that's a pretty high body count when you stop to think about some of the things. I mean, we're talking Noah and the flood. Mm-hmm. That's multitudes. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, let's Google it. Surely somebody's counted. And? Surely someone. And the estimate that they found quickly, right? Sure. And who knows the validity of the source, but... The estimate that they quickly found and we allowed to be in the room to wrestle with was a conservative estimate would be three million. Wow. And so then this was in the portion of our class where we were talking about why we even care about this book. Oh, sure. Right. So it allowed that question to be in the room. How do we deal for a with book of faith? That's pretty yeah. high body count. Yeah. And what does that mean for us? And then we have this, you know, story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three men don't die, but their captors do. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if there are other people who were thrown into the furnace. And we don't know whether or not the golden statue remains after this. It's not like King Nebuchadnezzar all of a sudden... Oh, I'm not going to have them play the lyre, the flute, the this, the that, and the other. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And the whole musical ensemble so that people bow down and worship the golden statue of me, right? I think the golden statue of King Nebuchadnezzar probably stuck around. That's fascinating. Maybe the Hebrew people were given a pass to not have to do the bowing, but it's a part of our story. Yeah. Is this something that comes up in the lectionary schedule regularly, or is it a, we'll pick it up when we get to it because it's Old Testament? To my knowledge and experience, I have never had this come up in the lectionary cycle. So I don't think it's in the lectionary. Well, where did you come across it if you knew it and enjoyed the story? It's one of those Bible stories that often gets told okay. for like Sunday school classes oh, and that things makes like perfect that. Sense. Right, because it's a great storytelling story, mm-hmm. and so even Veggie Tales has picked it up. Yes, they, they have. They do Rack Shack and Benny, but it's one of those stories that also is a great children's play topic. So if you're looking for participatory stories for kids, especially like middle school age, mm-hmm. to participate in acting out a story, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really lends itself to participatory theater style acting story out. Okay. Similar to Daniel in the Lion's Den, right? It's really fun for everybody to get to be a lion and growl, or it's really fun to have a Daniel that goes into the den, or it's really fun to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk into the flames. Sure, sure, sure. Somebody gets to be the angel that shows up with them. And Well, this is probably why I don't know the story that well, because there was no real Sunday school for me in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Fascinating. And we were trying to help the kids know some of these stories. Mm -hmm. The story of Job, the guy who has it all and loses it all. Story of Jonah and the whale, the story of Noah and the flood. Sure. These are kind of basic touch point stories. We had spent some time on Moses and who he was and the story of the plagues and, and the parting of the Red Sea. These are all stories that are big touch point stories in the Hebrew scriptures that are important to know. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to come out. So you've never actually preached on it in an actual service? No. Wow. No. I've used it for Easter Vigil a lot. Really? Yeah, because Easter Vigil Saturday before Easter Sunday is the day where, like, if you think about Easter Vigil... Well, you got a whole day to kill if you're going for the full (laughs) vigil. Right. But if you think about, so Thursday we arrest Jesus, Friday we kill Jesus, Saturday Jesus is in the tomb, and Sunday he's awake. So Saturday is, like, the day before... The funeral, when everyone is in town 
Okay. You're all feeling kind of sad. So what you do is you get together and you eat a whole bunch of comfort food and you tell each other stories. Sure. That is Easter Vigil. It's the opportunity to get together and tell all of our stories again and remember why it is that we believe that God is faithful and God will continue to show up. And so oh, we, it's definitely a God shows up story, right? We tell the creation story and we tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, or we tell Daniel in the lion's den, or we tell the Valley of Dry Bones, or we tell, right? Like mm-hmm. we tell these stories of God showing up and we remind ourselves and we ground ourselves in that story while we wait for Jesus to rise from the grave. And so I've used this particular one a lot for that kind of middle school age group to have something to either present or help lead or that kind of a thing on an Easter vigil. Excellent. Okay, so as far as the story goes, is it at all parable-like in that we're supposed to be somebody in the story other than the steadfast people who are willing to be thrown into a fiery furnace (laughs) all for the sake of our faith? I don't know that it's like a parable because parables are tools that Jesus uses to teach with. And this is one of the stories of our ancient faith. I think much like any of these stories of the faith of old, we can resonate with some characters more than others. I would say instead of imagining yourself to be Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, which I don't know, realistically for me, I don't know if I would be there, but I can imagine being their spouse. Sure. I can imagine being an onlooker in the courtroom. I can imagine what it might be like to be the partner of one of the guards that was killed Mm -hmm. um, or one of the guards on looking. Like there's lots of different folks to kind of explore out and tease out their story. What would it have been like from the perspective of the people who turned them in? Oh, sure. Right. There's a whole lot of nuance. What would it be like to be one of the musicians? Who has to play the music. (laughs) Who has to play the music, right? And knowing that you're playing the music causes someone else, right? So there's lots of different places to find a connection to the story that isn't necessarily being the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I don't know why we don't look and see where are we the King Nebuchadnezzar? Mm-hmm. Where That are we seems the most likely because we all tend to learn lessons, but only to a certain point. Right. Yeah. So there's lots of ways. I don't know that it's necessarily supposed to be an allegory or a clear like, yes, think of yourself as these people. I think it definitely is a story to encourage us in our faith and to encourage belief and to encourage questioning blanket orders from sure. kings that create idols of themselves in gold. I think that that's an important facet of our story. But then the question is, how do we take this and live it? Sure. What does it say to our daily living? Excellent. Well, that's going to lead me to my last question. Mm-hmm. As far as the Old Testament stories go, you said this is one of your favorites. Yeah. How does it compare? Is it really more than Daniel in the lion's den, more than Noah and the flood? Probably I appreciate this one more than Noah and the Flood. And I think Miriam is a character that I resonate with and that I look to more so than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How about Jonah and that whale? Well, I do like Jonah. I feel a lot of times that I'm Jonah sitting on the side of the hill whining. So (laughs) I resonate with Jonah quite a bit. But I think it's just one of the many that is pretty awesome. Okay. And what is fantastic about these stories is the opportunity to reach out to them in all kinds of different times 
times when maybe we're wrestling with whether or not we want our enemies to be forgiven. And then Jonah really is the person to sit with on the side of a hill and complain about the tree coming down next to us, right? Or maybe we're really struggling with feeling like there's a King Nebuchadnezzar in our life. And how do we handle that with good integrity as faithful people? Or maybe we're struggling with believing that we have power over affecting change in our world. And then we're going to sit and spend time with Esther and Ruth, right? So there's lots of different ways in which our Hebrew scriptures can give us examples and stories to give us strength and courage, depending upon what we're looking for. And the gift of it and the reason for getting to know these stories is so that we have them in our heads and in our hearts and in our spirits when we need them, that we can think of these things and know that for centuries hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, We've all been struggling with stories similar. Exactly. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And I look forward to hearing from you. If you would so choose, you can reach out to us on Facebook or email us at podcast at centralportland.org. If you are a listener on iTunes, we encourage you to leave us a review. It's been a while since we've had one. So and it helps a, other people find us. It does indeed. So if you enjoy it, please feel free to leave a review. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>